All right, good evening, good evening, good evening to everyone in person and online. It's the Safe House Podcast. Your man, Pastor Ferguson, with my brother, Mitchell Harper. What's happening, Mitchell? What's going on? Man, glad to be here. Man, I know you're glad to be here after what we talked about behind the scenes. Mm. And no matter what you thought you were not going to say, I'm going to let you go ahead and cook tonight because, Ooh. boy, it's something that seems like it's in your spirit. We'll see, we'll see. And it be kind of deep. So <laughs> tonight, we're just glad to be with everyone and be back here in the midst. Um, as always, we're always live. <clears throat> Excuse me. Live every Wednesday. At six th- at six thirty ish, we'll just say it like that because you know, you know, sometimes sometimes we fall into the stereotypes when it comes to us as you know African Americans. Sometimes we fall into it. Sometimes y'all, but we try our best. So you know, every sometimes. Now, sometimes, sometimes, but it's all good. So about six thirty ish, we're always on. So if you're on with us tonight live, share, hit that share button, hit the share button, hit the share button, hit the share button, because somebody may need a word tonight. Um, if you're catching this and it's a replay, thank you for catching the replay because every time you come on, it helps us gain more momentum in reaching people beyond the walls of Claire United Methodist Church. A few quick things as we get ready to go. Um, number one, as always, I'm excited about what God is doing in the midst of our congregation, in the midst of what we've been doing around here. And it just seems like so much has been going on. So let me just kind of frame it the best way I can. Um, this Sunday, we begin a new series of messages. Um, it's entitled, the series is entitled, Not Free Until We're All Free. Because, of course, we have entered now, we're entering into Black History Month. And this Sunday, we're going to talk from the thought birth from an un, from unruly privilege. Ooh, okay. I kind of can't wait. <laughs> it's one of those series that I actually finished everything within a week. Because you actually have fun getting into it? Oh, it wasn't even about fun. It was just being about, look, I'm just, look, look. you know, I, I was feeling the lyrics of of the saint uh, of the saint known as James Brown. Say it loud. I'm black I and I'm proud. Know. Yeah, that cannot deny that, not even if I wanted to. That's right. Uh-huh. So this Sunday, we begin that new series, Not Free Until We're All Free. This Sunday, first Sunday of the month. Birth from unruly privilege out of Esther, chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. Yes. And just in case you have not heard, we say her name around here. And some people need to go back and see where that's referenced in the last couple weeks. So, yes, we're going to be dealing with all that on this Sunday. First Sunday is always our communion Sunday. Be in that fellowship with us here in person or online, 10 a.m., as always. And, of course... Just as a quick announcement now, um, two weeks from now, uh, yeah, two weeks from now, it's February 14th. Well, What's that? It's an interesting <laughs> February 14th, depending on which side of it you look at. One side is actually Ash Wednesday, and on the other side is Valentine's Day. So being- One of those is cheaper than the other. You are absolutely correct. Okay. Right. <laughs> I think I think I think I think the ashes are very 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 cheap. Um, but it, either way, you got to pay a price on that day. Mm. So the price we're gonna pay is not showing up on that Wednesday. So we want you to be able to pay whatever price you need to pay on the fourteenth. And it's and either way, it's all in love. Amen. There you go. 
See, and look, everybody was like, where, where is this going to go? <laughs> it's only, uh, only getting it, bad. You know, it's all in love. Now, the day before is my preaching anniversary and Fat Tuesday. So I think I'm going to enjoy Fat Tuesday. It's a celebration. No, let me do it right. It's a celebration. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I'm Rick James. Yeah. <laughs> now we're going to get canceled. No, we're not. Yeah. <laughs> no, we're not. No, we're not. It's it's still hilarious. So on the 14th, we won't be on. Mm-hmm. We won't be on. But spend that time with those that you love. And yes, Valentine's Day, though it is a commercial holiday, take the element of love and spend some time loving on somebody. And that's important always. So I think we covered all that. And oh, no, we didn't. One more thing. We, as a podcast, we've been to- we were told we were up for a Bishop's Go Award, and those awards are going to be on this Sunday. This Sunday. And from what I just read today, check this out. They're going to have a whole red carpet thing, and it's going to be streamed live snap. on the West Ohio uh, Facebook page. So you may want to go to that Facebook page, and you might see some dudes that kind of look like us, Kinda, kinda, you know, and we might actually be looking good that day, right? Yeah. You know, check us out the, because that begins at three forty-five. The red carpet event, okay, it starts at three forty-five, so should be a little bit of fun. But it's also to celebrate all the different ministries that have been birthed, and according to the stat, it's been over a hundred, yep. over a hundred gold grants were awarded. Not messing around. A hundred new min, so a hundred new ministries across. West Ohio were birthed in this last year, this last conference year. So that's a great thing to celebrate. So um, be in prayer for us as we go and be in prayer for all those that will be attending and enjoying that fellowship. All right. We got all those announcements out of the way. Mitchell, open us up in prayer. Let's go. Dear God, we come to you once again, just thanking you for the opportunity to Learn together, Lord, the opportunity to come and ask questions, the opportunity to to come and just grow um, under your tutelage and under your guidance. Lord, be with us as we get into this word. Be with us as we uh, just talk about it um, so we, we can come back on the uh, come out on the other side of this, knowing a little more than we showed up with, Lord, um, and help us to take your word, take what we've learned today and um, put that out into the world, Lord. In your son's name we pray. Amen. Amen. So <clears throat> another thing that just came to my mind as we were praying, um, just want to give a shout out because every week that we come on, we're not just coming on and people are just showing up, but we've been eating like every week. Oh, yeah. So shout out to Sister Leah Turner for taking that on. And, huh? Shut up. You'll cut us off. This is the Why only time I eat. <laughs> this is the only time I eat all week. You don't like you don't like us no more. <laughs> that's why we shouting. <laughs> but we sh- shout out to Sister Leah and everyone that's that helps her um, each and every week um, with the meals and everything like that. This has been a wonderful experience in that way too. Is just fostered great relationship. Yeah, us, go- us going on Sunday is a representation of all of y'all who do the work to make this happen. So, so thank you, absolutely, for all that you do. Now. 2020 vision test is what we're talking about in Proverbs 29, 18 is the foundational verse. Let me read this from the English Standard Version, and then we'll go a little bit further because I don't know if we're going to get too much into the supplemental text because I have this feeling 
I have a feeling that the conversation is going to make some sense. Yeah. And it's going to be rich tonight. Where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint. But blessed is he who keeps the law. Where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint. But blessed is he who keeps the law. King James would say, where there is no vision, the people perish. Mm -hmm. And we quote that a lot. Where there is no vision, the people perish. But this other version, where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint. I think that's such an interesting choice of words. Yeah, but then you but it's a compound sentence. But blessed is he who keeps the law. Mm-hmm. So so it sounds to me at least <clears throat> off top that let's work backwards. The law is a teacher, right? The law is a teacher. It teaches us or it should teach us how to function, to live, and to move. But is that what we, is that how we view the law? No. Which then gives way to the beginning of the verse where it says, where there is no, here it is, prophetic vision. Mm -hmm. What we've stated around here is that the prophetic should lead you to action. So a prophetic vision is something that ought to lead you not only to action, but to something that comes down the line. Vision is something, I see something 10 years down the line, but if it's prophetic, it then lends itself to mean that I, right, that I am moving in such a way that I'm moving towards that thing. And if this is a compound sentence, which it looks like according to, then I'm moving towards it in an ethical way. But if I don't have that, I don't, I don't function with restraint. Mm-hmm. I almost function in a wild manner. Right. I'm not controlled as I go. <clears throat> right? So some people can go around and try to do anything and everything they want to do, but it has no focus, mm-hmm. has no foundation, has no movement, has no structure, has no aim. We're living in a world where people have no aim, no function, no structure, no view of a future. So why in the world will we talk about sharpening our vision now? I'm I'm curious because we're dealing with changes in the life of the church. Mm-hmm. We're dealing with changes in um, just the world, period. And people are not finding a way to move in these directions. Is there something? Is there something to this? Why why are we pushing? Why are we attempting to now say to ourselves, we need more prophetic view of what it is to get something done? 
That's just my initial thought tonight. Yeah. <clears throat> I'm sort of wondering about what you said earlier. Like, I think a lot of us are willing to acknowledge that end result, but I think there's something about, like you said, operating with a certain level of, like you got some sense. Mm -hmm. um, and I think we're all content to know that we know what the end result is supposed to be so we can just operate as if that's just going to happen automatically. Mm -hmm. um, and when you're just sitting around waiting for stuff to happen because it's supposed to, right? you end up with, what did I say, pie in, pie in the sky? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but as the bishop says, sometimes he wants some, what's, what's he say? He wants some steak on his plate <laughs> and some fish on his dish uh -huh. as opposed to pie in the sky. So yeah, that's, that's good. Uh -huh. I'm glad you gave him props on that <laughs> <laughs> because I feel him. You know, steak on the plate is, mm -hmm. you know, and fish on the dish makes some sense. But here's, but here's what here's what troubles me. I think what troubles me is we have functioned in a way in church life for so long, not trying to see ahead or see into the future or see something more for so long mm -hmm. that we have settled for if we make if we make a gain by just doing enough. Mm -hmm. Doing enough to maintain, doing enough to just cause maintenance to work. The bare minimum? The barest. <laughs> if we do that, then people that may not know better or feel anything better will just accept it. Like, oh, we did a new thing. And it's not really new. It's just that we have marginally moved a thing. Like, like for instance, let's just say if worship was, quote, unquote, always the same old thing, right? But then one Sunday we decide to have the young people do something, right, in worship. For some people, that is visionary. Mm -hmm. Because it's different. <laughs> but the next Sunday, we go back to the same thing. Exactly what it was, yeah. <laughs> you see what I mean? Yep. Rather than could it be that building them up through study during worship, through exposure in worship, they gather and see what it is and imagine what it could be Yeah, to the point where they do things that are not normal. But the problem is everybody may not accept that because they can't see it the same way. They just want people to be involved yeah. doing the same thing that's been done. And they believe that that's visionary. Yeah. I'm not knocking anything. Right. Because it says, you know, you got to keep, you know, blessed are those who keep the law have an understanding, have a foundation, have a base. But it also says there has to be something prophetic in your mind and in your heart that takes you somewhere mm -hmm. while moving within that foundation. 
So I guess it's difficult at times for me to see how how are people really looking at what it means to be the church? Mm-hmm. What does it mean to be the church in 2024? Uh, not what does it mean to be the church in 1964 while in 2024? Right. Yeah. I'm glad I hear laughter <laughs> because some people really do want 1964 church in 2024. Yeah. And then in in many different ways. Yeah. In many different ways. Yeah. And and I and I get some of it, you know. I like a good hymn like anybody else. Yep. I just don't want it to be that hymn that we sing as we march you out, you know, for the last time. Right. I'm 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 saying, you know, I I don't want to I don't want you to fly away on a regular Sunday morning while you're still in the land of the living. I'm sorry. Did I say something wrong? <laughs> I, 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 I'm just saying. I mean, you know, like some of the we, is, is, that's the opening hymn. Then, then we, it's all downhill from there. Like some glad morning when this life is, if we start off that way, yeah. shoot, this whole service is DOA on, it's dead on arrival. Yeah. But <laughs> I was going to say something, but I was just, just going to get us in trouble. So don't say just, it, man. No, you go, no, go ahead. I was man. just going to say Diddy coming out and dancing to that song isn't going to help. Right. right? No. <laughs> But it's true. Like, like I, I, I understand there are some things that are, you know, but, but what does it mean to have all that stuff and not be relevant or not see the vision of the world as is and trying to find a way to reach a world that is not like what we grew up in? Now I'm a I'm 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 now technically middle aged, you know, at 42. I'm technically middle aged, right? So I keep on telling people I'm a part of the last generation that had like straight up old school mm. superimposed upon my life. Okay, I'm I'm a part of that last generation. We're we're that bridge generation. We're the ones that had the old school stuff, but we're also the generation that birthed. Social media. That better know how to use the new stuff. That's yeah. right. Uh-huh. So I remember all the old stuff, all the old ways, all this, all that. And I go through sometimes dealing with my own personal spiritual PTSD because of it. Because there were some things that just didn't make no sense. Because it wasn't relevant to my growth as a believer. Mm-hmm. It, it didn't. The way it was presented, the way it was given... It wasn't something that built me up. It was more like, this is what we do. How, what kind of way is that to live? And if that, was, if that was the issue 30 years ago and we're still giving them that same thing. Bro, keep going. So I, I, don't, I don't, it's interesting when I look at the scripture and it says the people cast off restraint. And I think a lot of times we tell ourselves, well, as long as we don't do anything different than what we're doing, then that's not me showing a lack of restraint Mm -hmm. because you know i'm still in my lane but if if you're supposed to be moving forward and you're literally choosing not to how is that not the same thing let's go to a scripture i didn't think we're going to use any of this but we're going to use some of this let's go first samuel chapter three Mm mm-hmm 
I'm going. I'm going to read. Let's. Well, let's do this. I'm going to let you read a couple certain verses, and then we're going to skip some places. You just want the first verse. Read the first verse just to just to start, and then yeah. I'm going to pick a couple other things, and I'll read like the other stuff that comes. First Samuel chapter three. Now the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord in the presence of Eli, and the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no frequent vision. Do we know why there was no frequent vision? Because Eli, chief priest, his sons mm-hmm. were just a mess. They were raising hell. Baby's kids. Oh, man. Raising all kind of hell in the temple. And if people can't handle what I just said there, boy, this is not the. Whew. This is not the. Sometimes you got to call it they what, raised, say what it is. They raised hell in the temple. That's what they did. They were the sons were bringing all kind of all kind of women around and doing all kind of stuff in the temple. Pastors' I, kids are the worst, man. Man, don't be. <laughs> no, they not. They, a lot of them get a bad rap, <laughs> but some of them don't help the others. Okay. <laughs> let's, let, let, let's let's be even, uh-huh. okay? But they were acting a fool. But here's the thing. That first verse is deep to me because Samuel was given over by his parents. Right. Right? Because he was a child of promise. Mama said, I will give this child back over to you. You give me this child. He's Right? So there was something special about Samuel to begin with. But he is now at an age and he is in a time where... Oh, wait, and the word of the Lord was rare. That's deep enough. So if the word was rare, then here comes the, here comes the next part. There was no frequent vision. There was no looking into any future. It was hand so, in hand, didn't it? No word. <laughs> the, the word of the Lord was rare. Therefore, on top of that, how in the world are you going to have any vision at all? <laughs> There was no frequent vision, and it was rare, which suggests then if we take the condition of the temple and who was leading it, God did not trust anymore Eli or anybody connected to him to carry out anything. And Samuel was being trained on how to, uh, how to deal with stuff in temple life, Right? Let's work backwards. Let's go to the end and come back. Samuel eventually was known as what? A man. (laughs) He was known as a seer. He was trained in the temple as a priest, but his his fame Mm -hmm. was as a seer because when Saul was lost, what did they say? They is there anybody that can help us? Man came up, said, there's a seer whose word always comes to pass. So let's work backwards. <clears throat> if that's the reputation of Samuel as an adult, it had to begin <laughs> yeah. in a season when the word was rare. rare. <laughs> and the way that God calls him. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not going to read all the spaces, but it, he called him in the middle of the night. This is the chapter where he's called in the middle of the night. And he thought it was Eli. 
And then Eli is not as if he all of a sudden lost the gift. <laughs> okay? He didn't all of a sudden lose the gift. Can, can, we, can, we, put a, can we put a pin there? Yep. The Bible says that the gifts, the calling of God, are given without repentance. Mm. Which means this. Mm. Even if you are trash, yep. it doesn't mean that the gifts stop working. It may not be as effective in you, but the gift didn't stop. <laughs> it didn't go and become null and void. Mm -hmm. So Eli perceives what's happening. He says, okay, next time you wake up to this, just say, your servant is listening. And then here it comes. Verse 11. Then the Lord said to Samuel, behold, I'm about to do a thing in Israel at which the two ears of everyone who hears it will tingle. On that day, I will fulfill against Eli all that I have spoken concerning his house from beginning to end. And I declare to him that I am about to punish his house forever for the iniquity that he knew because his sons were blaspheming God, and he did not restrain them. Therefore, I swear to the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be atoned for by sacrifice or offering forever. That's never what you want to hear. He is a boy. Mm -hmm. 16 says that Eli called Samuel and said, Samuel, my son, he said, here I am. And Eli said, what was it that he told you? <laughs> you sure you want to know? And then he said on top of that, after he asked that, he said, do not hide it from me. May God do so to you and more also if you hide anything from me of all that he told you. Can, can I get a 90-second preach right here? <laughs> there are plenty of folk that are older that say this, but they will automatically get mad at what is to come. And they get mad because of the vessel it comes through. Mm. Watch this. Uh-oh. <laughs> uh -oh. So Samuel told him everything and hid nothing from him. And he said... It is the Lord. Let him do what seems good to him. That ain't everybody's response. Here's the crazy part. The first test of Samuel's prophetic role. Mm -hmm. He was learning how to be a priest. But remember... He ended up occupying three different, three different spaces in his life. Priest, prophet, and judge. He occupied three spaces. Priest, prophet, judge. He was being trained as a priest, but God gave him a prophetic word as a young man. And the challenge of that was, are you going to tell who needs to hear it exactly what I said? 
or you gonna withhold? Mm. Because it's hard. Hurt somebody's feelings. Because they'll be sensitive in the space. Because you don't know how they might react. Because he said it, it was then put into motion, and we know the rest of the story. The house of Eli was eliminated. Samuel ended up rising in that in that day, and he began to lead. Let's 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 make it contemporary. He began to lead in the church where he was trained, mm-hmm. and God was actually already pleased with him <laughs> in order to do so. That's one way that change can happen. And sometimes God will give vision to people to be able to do things and function in ways, and it's not always going to be simple, it's not always going to be easy, and it's not always going to play out the way people want it to play out, which is why all of us that were not living in B.C. times with Samuel ought to take a lesson. (laughs) And the lesson is we should always be ready for the prophetic and necessary move of God, which means that we have to be prepared ourselves. Here's a word. We have to prepare ourselves to embrace it. But sometimes because we don't know how to embrace it, we have to ask God to teach us how to be ready to embrace. So what what are the... the dangers of not being ready to hear a prophetic word when it comes you get stuck Mm. you get stuck in the same place Mm -hmm. the world passes you by you begin to say insane things like we should not be bowing to culture and we should not be entertaining the culture And we should not be doing all these different things when the truth is it's not about entertaining culture or doing this. We forgot what it means to be relevant in the space where we've been called. Mm. Yeah, because not not engaging the culture means that you're content to be what you are today forever. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, I think, who was it? I think it was Chris Rock that said in a joke once that once you get to a certain age, you like you know how you st- you want your steak cooked. Mm-hmm. You you already know your order. You know exactly what you want it to be, and you're not changing it because it's gonna be this and it's gonna be this and it's gonna be this. That's good for for a steak order, but when it comes to when it comes to leaving a legacy for the future, mm-hmm. you cannot continue to just function from a place and. Here it is again. You ought to be able to help prepare folk mm-hmm. for what's coming. Even though Eli may not have liked what was coming, he actually prepared. He prepared his successor. And even though the word was hard, he had already prepared the successor. He trained him. He trained them enough to know and discern how to hear God's voice. And when it came time for that word to come down, Eli didn't fight him on it. 
He just said, so be it. Again, just because you may have gone astray doesn't mean you still don't know yeah. what right and wrong sounds like. And I feel like most of us can probably identify with Eli easier than we can identify with Samuel because we don't all necessarily have the gift of of prophecy, but we all have the, in some capacity, we all have to sit under somebody. Mm-hmm. And um, if you aren't willing to not only hear what they have to say, but then through the process of discernment, determine whether or not what they are saying has any teeth to it, has any merit to it. Mm-hmm. Like, I think we can all agree that we are all in that situation more than necessarily having God talk to us in the middle of the night. Right. Audibly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, that's why I hate sometimes when people re- reference me according to my title. Because mm. when I sit in rooms, nine times out of ten, I pray I'm not the smartest person in the room. Right. I got something to learn. I got something to gather. Yes, I may be intelligent. Yes, I may have all these different things going on. But I am trying to learn something because could it be that I'm a part of whatever the future might be? And I said this months ago from a sermon months ago and from from some settings months ago. We need to know where we are in the journey. There will come a point where I am no longer a visionary, but I'm a dreamer. But it, but but here's the thing that just hit me right now: if we don't prepare, if we don't prepare the environment for new visionaries, mm-hmm. we will never move into the season to be dreamers. Right. We will always think we have to be the visionary when we're not capable of maybe doing it anymore. Simple. And then all of a sudden now, because of that, we hold people back. We hold an institution back. We hold a fellowship back. We hold all kinds of things back because we're not discerning the thing and looking around and saying, who's coming? Mm-hmm. Who's coming behind? Who's next? Yeah, I think about obviously the, the easy parallel with this scripture is the fact that we see Jesus in the temple at a very young age mm-hmm. and the scripture does not imply that the people who were sitting around listening to him were like, oh, this kid doesn't know what he's talking about. Mm-hmm. They understood that what they were hearing was right, and it didn't matter who was saying it. It mattered that, like, this this 12-year-old has some information that I need. Right. And I think that uh, I don't. we don't do it on purpose, but the church just sometimes is, we as individuals, I don't, want, I don't mm-hmm. need to generalize the church, but we as individuals just necessarily aren't there. Now, remember, y'all, you can ask questions, you can raise your hand, you can put your thoughts in the chat, because I know I know we talking, and it seems like we're talking halfway decent, but we cannot have a real conversation without y'all now. So, I mean, here's, here's the thing that jumps out. We have to gain sharper vision, mm-hmm. right? We have, to, we have to get sharper vision. So if we're going to do that, some things have to occur. Sister Shirley commented in the chat, we all need to learn, and we will until the end. I learn more from the younger generation. Mm. Mm. Interesting. 
I mean, there, there is a certain, I don't even know what you'd call it, but there's something to be said about learning about something that is old. And I don't mean that in a disparaging way, mm-hmm. but, but to learn about something that is brand new is, is, is exciting. Like, and so to be someone who has an opportunity to learn from a younger generation, you know that chances are they're bringing you something that you maybe have never even thought about, touched, seen, whatever it may be. And so, like, if we can embrace the the give and take that can exist rather than saying, well, y'all can't tell me nothing, mm-hmm. y'all, you know. But it, but that, it also has to go both ways, right? And that's I think that's the hard balance that we struggle to to find sometimes. So why do you think it's hard? I mean, like for real, like why do you think it's difficult for us to be in those spaces? And I want to put that out there to everybody. Why do you think it's so difficult for us to really think about and consider learning from each other, gathering from each other, um, learning something new, learning something, whatever. Why, 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 why is that? I just want to put that out here. And you get older, you think you know everything, even if you don't know nothing, you know, and that, then that's why I think God makes half of us lose our brains at the end of the process because we know too much. But we, we look at the young kids like, you little, you don't know nothing. I've been here, and you can't tell me nothing. And so then they look at us like, yeah, you old lady, you, you don't know what I'm talking about. So I think it's more of we get in that mode where we think we are in, we have arrived. Mm. We have arrived to the top of the chain, and everybody underneath us is going to do what we tell them to do. Wow. Oh, that's, that's, that's an interesting way to put that. The desire to be a lifelong learner, I think, eludes some of us, and it, we we miss out on opportunities um, for discipleship and to be discipled mm-hmm. uh, because we feel like we are in a place where we don't have to, like you said, we've arrived. Like like I've I've hit all of the marks. There's nothing more for me to do. That inherently isn't Wesleyan. Yeah, congratulations, you played yourself. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's inherently not Wesleyan. Oh my goodness. And that's inherently not God. Right. Like, how How do you even, I mean, okay, here's an example. If we've really reached uh, the final boss mm-hmm. when it comes to life, mm-hmm. well, let's try it this way. Most of us in here deal with, deal, deal with cars or whatever to a certain extent. Why you got to bring that up today? Man, don't be so sensitive. All right, that's fine. that's fine. Don't be so sensitive. <laughs> Because we got car issues going on in the midst of this room. Fine. If a car has reached its final form, mm-hmm. would there no longer wouldn't there no longer be a need to come up with a new model year and a and a new this and a new I mean I mean think about it. Like like some people say that the best best car was in a certain year, right? But said company still created more models after that. Mm-hmm. And they created those models to, what, address the need of the time. In the last 20 years, you know, if you go back 20 years, some cars had Bluetooth, some of them didn't. Bluetooth wasn't even more popular until maybe about another five to 10 years later. Mm-hmm. When it became standard, it was optional. 
If you had that aux that aux cord, that's what you function with. You had that aux cord, and you. Oh put, man, you got to get the the five CD changer, man. That's oh man. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, oh, what? <laughs> that was that was graduating from high. The tape the tape that you put in the tape deck that connect to your CD, CD player, player? bro. Yeah. <laughs> that was my senior year high, bro. That was great. Couldn't right? couldn't hit no bumps in the car. Oh man. <laughs> And then, and then if you got the real nice CD player that you got, wait, you had the case to take off the face yep. and everything like that. Well, well, you was rolling, but it wasn't standard. They created new models to fit what was happening in the world at the time. Otherwise, <laughs> we all still be driving Model Ts, mm -hmm. and we wouldn't be getting nowhere. It's already bad enough with traffic; it'd be worse. You're only driving about 30 miles an hour, you know. And some people still drive 30 miles an hour well, with the we don't talk about them. Oh no, mm. we talk about them. No. They drive 30 miles an hour in the fast lane on the highway. Get out of the fast lane. Those people get... make me deny my discipleship. Oh That's... man. Mm -mm. Yeah. The devil is a liar. <laughs> I know this is not of God. <laughs> you know. All right. So, but you understand what I'm saying? Like there, there should be. The best is yet to come. We say that all the time. We say the best is yet to come, and then we don't believe it. Sure don't. We, we don't want nothing new. What, what you talking about new? Yeah. Like, why why do we have to do anything new? Wait, wait. If it was good for my grandmama and it was good for me, it would be good for you. That's a lie. Give me that old-time religion. Uh-uh. Mm. No, don't give me that because there was slavery attached and... Bad theology attached? Bad nah, theology. No, I don't want that old time stuff. No, give me. When I was going to church when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. They made you go and you sat up there and watched the preacher just sing. Then all of a sudden, everybody started jumping around. And then when the music stopped, they stopped. And then I didn't understand a word they said. They never got the kids involved. And then it was like, you dread going to church every Sunday. So what, what you saying about getting the kids involved, that's why it kind of fell off in your mid-age because I'm 60. So about right then, I, I know I, <coughs> church was not the place for me at that point. Mm -hmm. And when I was asked about church, I would just look at the people and say, kingdom of God is within me. Mm. I'm not going there. And and the attitude. And, and that's where I was at. So I, I don't know what, but it was horrible. <clears throat> you don't get the kids involved and you sit and force them. And, and you know back in the day when the preachers used to just hum and sing and when they sang, I don't understand nothing what they saying, but you want me to come to church every Sunday and learn God. No, it's not. So like nowadays, like you said, we need to get the kids in there and, you know, get them involved more and don't talk over their head with the Bible. Mm -hmm. You got to let them get involved with it. And there's a lot, these kids know a lot more than what they given us credit to because I'll never forget the day when I told that lady the kingdom of God was in me. She looked at me so crazy and said, you still need to be in church. I was done. So I agree. And, and <laughs> They got to look beyond the picture, and the kid going to know more than that adult. I, I really agree with that. There was a, there was a um, conversation a few years back, and I talked with, um, talked with my friend Gregory Kendrick, 
and we talked about this years ago. And when we talked, and we talked about this, and it was a serious thing. He said there was a group of people, group of young adults. They asked one question of the church: mm. Will there ever be? Is the wrong way to start the question. No, no. Will there ever? Be, <laughs> no. Th- this is the young adult saying uh-huh. this. That's what I mean. The young adult said, "Will there ever be a church that will make sure that they are relevant in such a way?" that they are truly addressing the issues and the needs that are presented in this world where God is the answer. In other words, they wanted to see a demonstration. They wanted to be a part of a church that is demonstrating. It's not enough to just say you believe in social justice. They wanted to say, are you demonstrating what it means to go out and to what? Feed the hungry, clothe the naked, um, advocate for the disenfranchised because all these things are Jesus-like. Mm-hmm. And most people hear that, and guess what we've had? Not much movement. Right. So then you see how some of these other things have come about. Go ahead, because I don't want to go ahead. I was just going to say, if we maintain the mindset, it's always been done that way. The church would have died during COVID. Mm. Mm-hmm. Look how far we've come because we changed from what we've always done to what we are now doing, such as this podcast. And 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 let's be clear. I said it once and I'll say it again. We literally changed the whole format for one Bible study. And we have more participation for technically a Wednesday night Bible study than the entire time that I've been the pastor. Mm. There's been more regular attendance now on a Wednesday, on a Wednesday night, adults and children included, than any other time since I've been pastor. And I will include when I was in a two-point charge and I consolidated one Bible study between two churches. I'm sitting, you think I'm playing? Even then, when you consolidated the two churches into one Bible study, this is still more attended on average than what I've been doing over the last six years. All we did was change a format, a method, and we got more coming in person and online. How does that work unless you try to do something that here's the word of the day, relevant. Well, and I think to that to that point, there's always there's always resistance. But the fact of the matter is, is that every time that resistance is always very strong, and yet change happens, and we have not been smited. Nothing <laughs> has caught on fire. Thank God. You, you know what I mean? Like like the church is still. Here it is still capable. So like we can we can adapt, mm-hmm. we can pivot, and it not be the end of life as we know it. <laughs> like oh, it man. like it doesn't have to be that dramatic. Like we have all lived, most of us have lived long enough to see some aspect of our life change significantly. Yes, sir. And we can either choose to 
get with it mm-hmm. or we can get left. And because, and, and I'm not saying that you just have to go with every single thing that comes up. That's I'm not, right. Don't hear me say that's that. I'm right. not saying no, that's that. Right. You can, you can discern, you can do all of these things. But what, what was it? What was the scripture that we just mm-hmm. did a couple weeks ago? If I think I said it even last week, if it's of God, yes, sir, it's going to, it's going to succeed. If it's not, it's not my problem. Like it's, you know, so like, Stop pretending like God's not big enough to handle the change in society, the change in culture, the change in life, and still be God. The change in culture suggests for some people that God suddenly can't handle it. Okay. How how do you serve a... can Can I say it for like the umpteenth time, as they say? There is no way you could possibly serve the same God I do if you think that God can't handle culture, can't handle um, different theories and philosophies on things, can't handle people's doubts, people's fears, people's this and that. If, if God is that small, why in the world do we go through all this trouble to show up to places on a Sunday or a Wednesday or a Saturday just to gather if God's that small. One of my favorite things to say is God is not wine. Do not put him in a box. They say box wine is good, but uh, it can't it can't be that good. Because the way I know the way I heard it is that Jesus turned water. And they said it was the best stuff in the world. So that was not in a box. And it showed nothing <laughs> in a box. That water was in barrels. Yes. Uh, coming from a middle class family and growing up in a moderate you know background of religious but uh, after uh, spending you know I spent a lot of time behind bars and uh, come home with nothing. Parents gone, and family disappear. Come to a city, you know, thinking that you know I'm gonna have some kind of you know help. And the only thing I've gotten is a spiritual help from God. Bless your heart. And finding that gives me a chance to uh, evaluate the way God has been working in my life. You know, I'm 60 years old now. And uh, things have changed so much that um, trying to find the, the courage to speak before a lot of people is not easy. Trying to find help with a crooked background and not getting it. And so the only thing I have basically is coming here Wednesday mm-hmm. and, and occasionally Sunday. Now I'm being uh, removed from a, an area that some guy from New York bought some land and wants to tear it up and, you know, 
afraid something up there. In fact, you know, there's a sign up there that says, do not, do not walk your dog on school grounds. And it's like, where's the school? <laughs> there's no school. There is no there. school. Okay. I mean, it's like, like, and I ain't, you know, I don't bother nobody. But they're forcing me out of the spot that I've been living at for the last three months. And now I've got to leave here shortly and go and pack up my tent and find another spot tonight to sleep. Mm. And I have to either that or sleep on the sidewalk tonight underneath the blankets. But uh, it's like it's gotten so bad that the Society has changed so much that there's no no common sense, no care, no nothing. But yet, the only people, the only person that I can really count on to give me care, love, and respect is God. And when it comes to trying to say who's what and who's not, is a guessing game sometimes. Mm. So with that, I hope we can reach an impasse tonight on what is going to happen to everybody. Something that you said, like you, you said, you're, you're getting that that spiritual fulfillment to whatever degree that you need. And I just wonder where we got to the point where that isn't something that soaks into everything that we do. You know what I mean? Like, we should, based, based on our, our spiritual understanding, we should be trying to build a world that is more equitable, that, that doesn't have people wondering when they're going to eat and where they're going to sleep and, and, and all of those things. And so I wonder why it, it has now become so compartmentalized. Well, this is the spiritual aspect of my life, and this is the professional aspect of my life, mm -hmm. and this is the social aspect of my life. And, and people don't get to know you if you aren't fully living into all of the aspects that make you up and let them see it. So, there, so let, me, let, me tie, let me tie a few knots here. Is actually is actually two sets of things. Our vision has become weak, so to sharpen it, three things have to occur. You have to embrace the word of God, work the word of God, and live within the boundaries of the word of God. I embrace it so that I can see. I work it so that what I see comes to pass. Here's the funny thing that people miss. Everybody says they're a visionary because they can see stuff, but here it is. Real visionaries have to work stuff too. Mm -hmm. But here's how it works. I learned a long time ago that, I'm, that I have a visionary ministry. Some people used to try to tell me based upon tests and stuff I didn't. And I'm like, nah, player, you don't understand what vision really is. 
I can see a thing, but my job then, my work is then to motivate other people, not only to see what I see, but to see their place in it. Mm -hmm. And guess what? I can't tell you what your place is in it because my job is to make that thing so clear that when you look at it, you'll be like, you know what? I know exactly where I'm supposed to be in this thing. And you, and you're able to, uh, the, um, who's holding your ladder? It's a book by Samuel Chan. It's an old book now. Get that book if you don't have it in your own library. It's called Who's Holding Your Ladder? Who's Holding Your Ladder. I done taught this thing about 18,000 times. A visionary can't paint, a visionary can't paint the whole mural. Mm -hmm. They can't paint the mural unless someone is holding their ladder. But it, in a bigger sense, you can't even get the paint in the right spot unless you got people that are able to see. I have to train people. I have to commute. Here it is. Let's go back to Sunday. I got to care. What? Communicate. What else? And, and be connected, right? There's got to be care. There's got to be communication. And there's got to be connection, right? Those three things have to occur among us. If that's happening, then I can trust the fact that when you look at this, you're not going to do things that are going to try to impede the progress of the whole. Mm. You know how many visions get you know how many visions get interrupted? Let, let me say let me say it right. You know how many churches get interrupted in their growth on a regular basis because people do not want to take part in a vision for the future? Let's get and let's get real raw. Yes. Yes, Jen. Thank God we were not a casualty because of the pandemic. But guess what? There are a whole bunch of others that could not say the same. And it had nothing. And here it is. This is the thing that people do not want to be honest about. It had nothing to do with how many people got sick, how many people passed, none of that. It had everything to do with a people that no matter what the situation was, they were unwilling to, what your word, pivot. Where there is no prophetic vision, people cast off restraint. <laughs> they are not, they are not what? They are not conditioned by the thing that should motivate them. Can I push back on you a little bit? Not even push back. I, I want to pick your brain a little bit. Go ahead. You had said something along the lines of, dang, I just had it and I just lost it. No, it's okay. Um, you uh, had said that, wow, I'm getting old, y'all. This is not nah. good. Um, something about you you help people, you, you paint it so clear so that people can see it for themselves. Right. right? Is there any, like on the flip side of that, mm -hmm. is sometimes the role of casting vision misunderstood in a way where you end up, instead of fostering an environment for success, you end up dictating to people. And people don't want to be dictated to. And, and, that's, and I'm glad you brought that up. My job is not to dictate. And that's, and that's where people miss it. 
Casting vision is not dictation. Casting vision is saying, I have spent time with God. I have spent time in this space, and this is what is seen. Because if it's mine, mm-hmm. let me tell you something. Okay, this is exposure, okay? This is, this is personal exposure. You ready for this? Back when I first became a part of the UMC, my first appointment was where it was, right? Then I was given a second church. I had a conversation with a pastor friend of mine, and at the time, I thought about what was happening at that particular moment. And I was saying to myself, man, it seems like there is this move towards not consolidating, but there's a potential with black churches that if done right, one more in this particular space, in this particular area, we could do a whole heck of a lot from here to here. I literally sat down and saw it. Mm -hmm. But guess what, y'all? That would have been my thing. Because I was thinking according to logic and other stuff. That ain't what God had. Because even if that would have come to pass, that would have been more work to try to maintain something that I thought could work. Mm. You see what I mean? Just on the hamster wheel. Just yeah. Yeah. And 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 it would have been and it would have and it would have been a whole bunch of fighting on one side and not on the other side. But now, because of circumstances that who who could have called it, I am now in one place. And thinking about where this place was at one time to where it is today, what was said about it when I first to what it is now Mm -hmm. God is showing this is the time for these particular things to occur because this place is ready for this thing so when I sit back with God I'm not asking God what can you do that will fulfill my ego what do you want for this place that lives beyond us because you want a thing to happen what is it that you want so my job is to cast it. So, okay, here it is. Biblical. Write the vision. Make it plain that people can run by and see it. In other words, that it is so clear that you can see this thing as you are running by it and it still makes sense. That's on. That's on. That's how this is supposed to be. So my initial work is, let me make it clear. Mm-hmm. And if it's not clear, my work is still, let me make it clear. You see what I mean? That's my initial work. The next part is, once people buy into it, to help what? Cultivate people to be able to fulfill what they do in that space within the vision, right? Now, the vision is going to come to pass one way or another, but this is the part that we don't like. It takes work. <laughs> and it takes work, watch this, from everybody. <laughs> An uncomfortable level of work sometimes. I mean, yeah. and, and, and God help us if we actually find our place. It goes from being uncomfortable to being exhilarating. Mm-hmm. The pro- another problem that happens, people try to find their place by getting in positions and getting into stuff that ain't them. And then they get frustrated 
because they say stuff like, well, I've, I've given them. Well, did you look for your place in it or did you just want to occupy space? You see, you see what I mean? Mm-hmm. So that, that's, the, that's the challenge. So then it becomes what? Then you get to the living within the boundaries. The word teaches us about all types of stuff. Number one, that everybody doesn't have the same gift. Everybody doesn't have the same, you know, same. It's in me because it's King James. Wait, everybody does not possess the same office. Everybody's not the same. You know, we don't we don't move in that uniqueness, Mm. and then we don't foster that, and then we get frustrated because we didn't we don't look back and say, did we foster the environment for people to say, I want to be unique. Function uniquely, right. live uniquely, mm-hmm. move uniquely, right? So we 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 have that responsibility. That's I want people to function in their gifting. Don't just don't just occupy a space and then you get frustrated in that space and you you oh my god I'm so tired. Well, you're tired because you're doing what you ain't supposed to be doing. We uh, at Christ UMC, uh, I just took on the role of this, the head of um, the chair for discipleship formation. Mm-hmm. And one of the first thing I, you know, we just had a ministry fair on Sunday and I tried to uh, hook people up with access to a spiritual gifts inventory. Right. Um, and I tried to make it clear that like you can take the spiritual gifts inventory but that doesn't necessarily mean that some of the other things in your life that you see as a strength are invalidated, right. but the spiritual gifts inventory allows you to maybe see a different option that you maybe didn't consider before. Right. And so like you don't get lost in the fact that the assessment says one thing, like you are right. still you, but like live into that genuinely as who you are. Yes. So that the discipleship that you give can be genuine. Right. Speaking of place, I was wondering if you happen to come across a space and you want to settle down. Now, in the last two years, this is the only church I've been to more times than I have anywhere else. And I am actually want to settle down somewhere and come on a regular basis. But I'm afraid if I settle down, I'm not going to be wanted. And so I am wondering if it's acceptable to even think that right now. And let me, but, well, let me let me do two things mm-hmm. right now. Number one. Say it nicely because I'm not going to say it nicely. Number one. Okay, let me be pastoral. <laughs> no, 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 because I need. Well, no, let me be. Let me be pastoral as myself, unique, uniquely and authentically. In this place, and not because this is on camera, not because this will be on every site and they'll hear it. If anybody's watched anything that we've done from this place, I've said the same stuff all the time. I don't need a camera to do it. Anybody and everybody is welcome in this space. Period. 
full stop. That's it. Let me step up my pastoral to being Charles. Mm -hmm. The members of this church know that I almost borderline threaten people to mistreat anyone. I threaten. I have I I make no bones about it. And y'all can say amen because you've heard me say it. I I will have a problem with anybody that does not accept folk that want to be a part of this space. Because here's the thing. Here's the thing. And I said it, I said it Sunday. Um, we have two new members <laughs> that join Sunday. And I say the same thing to all members. And they're all new members. If you come here to settle, you're, you're welcoming us into your space. The problem that a lot of churches have is that they think that people that come, they're, they're becoming a part of our space. That's not true. When we're dealing with your soul, when we're dealing with your growth and your spirit, you are welcoming us into the most intimate space there is. Because we don't have, I even as a pastor, even as pastor of these folk, I don't have, what's the word I'm looking for? I don't have privilege over anybody's life. I don't have privilege to just enter into your stuff. I have to be welcomed in. There's a, there's a, there's a freight, there's a, there's a, um, way that we talk among pastors and with like pastors that are just coming in I always tell them when you go to a church for the first time you are nothing but the chaplain the people have to make you the pastor when I came here it didn't matter how good I preached I was the chaplain until the people made me the pastor mm -hmm. because that's when they say that's when they say they trust me to be able to walk with them through stuff and, you know, be with them in those spaces. And I take that ser I take that seriously. You know, I ain't everybody's pastor. Mm. Mm. I've pastored four churches. Some people that I've left them, I'm still their pastor. Some folk, I was never their pastor. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? So... My my hope is that all that you have experienced at Claire is reflective of the fact that it doesn't make a difference what condition, doesn't make a difference where you've come from, doesn't matter if you have an address or not. It doesn't matter about any of that. You are a child of God. And our responsibility and our aim is that in everything that we do, that you are reminded every chance you get, every time you're here, that's how we see you. We don't see you according to your condition. We see you according to what God has made you, period. Full stop. That's it. And anybody that's watching right now, maybe this is, a, this is the word that needs to get spread to kind of end this thing tonight. 
because it just seems to me that there are a whole lot of people that are in the same position as this brother. And this is what I, and I hate it that people come to a place and they feel that if they settle in, that they're not going to be accepted. God did not save us. God did not save us. This is going to be a heavy, this is, this is a heavy word. God did not save us to be separatists, segregationalists, country clubbers, secret societies. God did not save us to separate ourselves so much that we lose the human touch. God doesn't need a bouncer. We're not keeping people out. It's not our job. Never been our job. When we say the doors of the church are open, that's it. Mm -hmm. Forget the physical ones. When you see me, the doors of the church are open mm. because we are the church. Never mind. Never no, mind. no, no, go, no, no, don't, no, don't hold back. Who owns the deed to this church? Anybody's name in this room? Not, 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 not I. Okay. God knows I don't need the property tax. Mm, say that. Say that. <laughs> I mean, I mean, say that. I mean, yes. We were talking about the, uh, yeah. Who God they serve and why they think God can't handle the yes. thing today? Because a lot, I, I'm this is just my opinion. Because a lot of people, some some of the bad and devastating and tragic things happen. The first thing they say is, uh, "Why God?" But remember the guy on the mountain and and all the bad stuff happened and it wasn't the work of God. Mm -hmm. A lot of stuff they see, it's not the work of God. So if you're going to believe in God, why can't they see that it's the fallen angel? Is the work that they're seeing and they're thinking that it's being handled by God. I, I, mean, I don't know if I'm making any sense, but everything that they see that's happening is not the work of God. There are attributes that we attribute to God because that's all. Okay. Let's lighten, let's lighten the mood. There are two teams that are in the Super Bowl. There's a reason there's only two teams in the Super Bowl. Because those two teams won their games. There were two teams that didn't win. Some of them blamed the referees. Mm -hmm. They blamed the fans. They blamed the weather. They blamed all kind of stuff. But they did not blame themselves for their output. <laughs> a lot of people, a lot of times, they deal with stuff and they either gonna blame God or blame the devil. And sometimes it's just you. It's just you. Yep. Sometimes it's just you, <laughs> you know, you know, 
devil couldn't come up with some of the stuff, half the stuff that we came up with. Devil couldn't come up with that. That was how you. <laughs> so, as, so naturally, we want to blame something. Some that's right, and sometimes it's just not true. When it comes to God, that we teach God's omnipotence and omnipresence. And because of that, we then say, well, God should have stopped it. No, well, then you wouldn't have free will. Some of the things that have been tragic that have happened over the last several months, it wasn't necessarily because of a bad thing. But there's some people that are just out of sorts. And they just did some stuff, and it harmed people. We literally are part of a denomination that in its book of discipline, though I, I've been saying this for weeks, folk don't read the book of discipline, but you should read this one part. It says, do no harm. But then it also says, do good. It blatantly, do no harm, do good. Like, I, there's, no, there's no ambiguity there. <laughs> and, so, and so here we are. So here we are still dealing with the age-old question, will they accept me in a place where I should be embraced? And it's a legit question. And all I can say is I speak for myself. Yeah. Blame. And uh, doing no harm. I, I have noticed in the last few weeks and actually more of it today. Um, I tried to get into a motel. Um, a friend of mine uh, oh, tried to help me. And um, all I had to do is register and uh, call and uh, make it a, uh, a schedule to come in. Mm -hmm. Well, I come to find out I can't go because uh, I'm banned from the shelter. So, you know, now I've got to wait to the shelter board to come around. I was hoping they would, you know, uh, get a hold of me today so I can go and sleep. And still they are holding my past against me, and they're blaming me because I did, you know, something that was two years ago. And next, actually, 40 years ago. So now I am being, you know, continually punished. And I'm also blaming myself. I'm also, I don't mean to, but I'm also questioning God now. Mm -hmm. Because where is my help when I need you? And my faith in you has always been strong, but yet all these not all these bad things have been happening and like I'm not getting anywhere. I'm just trying to start over. And so now it's like why am I being punished for your 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 arrogance and you know because a lot of times I speak to the the opposite opposite sex. And so they are sitting there in their chairs 
judging me because of my past. And so now, why am I still being punished because, you know, that God has forgiven me for? And what? And so my thing is, we still have, like you said, free will to accept and move on and learn to love each other for who we are. And instead of that, now we're saying, we love you, but, and then so it's like, who are you to sit and judge me when God has always judged me for what I did and forgave me from all my sins? But yet people in these other places, they continue and continue and continue until you actually end up right back where you started. And I don't want that. So as we, so here's what we'll do. There's some things that I know I can't answer, but there's one thing I know I can do, and that's pray. Because I, I want us to be mindful of time, and then there's some things that maybe are beyond this stage and this moment that we discuss and that we think about, that we consider and we pray about. And so tonight, I'm going to pray, number one, I'm praying for you because I never want to see anyone just bogged down by their past when they have opportunity to see a greater future. I want to pray for those that currently are dealing with illness and dealing with other things. Thinking of Sister Ruth tonight. Thinking of all of our family, Claire. Thinking of all kind of people that are dealing with and going through. I want to pray for the church, not the not just the local church, but the church universal. That we begin to break this curse. Break this curse of entitlement. Mm -hmm. I break this curse of entitlement. So as we go to the Lord tonight, I want to thank I want to thank everybody for being with us. I want to thank everybody for their contribution. I want to thank you for your contribution tonight because it was necessary for us. I even ask y'all to pray for me. Y'all been praying for me, but pray for me. Just being here tonight is a big deal. Because after the good things that happened at the beginning of this week, my body has told me that you're about out of gas. <laughs> mm -hmm. And it just ain't recovering like it normally does. The last five months have caught up. Last five months have caught up, and I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing, but I needed to be here tonight. God, my heart aches 
God, my heart aches because we still have to deal with the things that have been presented to us. That we're still dealing with those that feel as if they are not able or welcome in your space. God, forgive us. Forgive us if we ever contributed to a world or to a space that suggested that you needed to have a certain thing before you could come in. Forgive us if we've ever been so full of ourselves to believe that you saving us truly meant that you have set us apart and set us apart to such a degree that we have no longer the reasonable, humane touch. That ain't how you function. Matter of fact, God, you function in the world in such a way you sent your son. And you sent your son to do what we failed miserably in doing. Forgive us. Fill all our vision. Savior, I pray. Let us see only Jesus today. Help us to just see you. See you in people that we encounter, see you in every place that we go, to see you when we visit the hospital, to see you when we walk down the street, to see you when people come through the door. Not just feed, clothe, and visit, but literally see you in the midst of people's tears, in the midst of their struggle, in the midst of their joys, and in the midst of their sorrows. Help us to be a present people that show the world that we serve a present help in all circumstances. Thank you for what you do. Thank you for the sacredness of this moment, one that we could not have planned. Thank you for showing us how to pivot so moments like these can happen. We give everything of this night, of this platform, and of this work to your hands. Do what you want to do with it. I only ask that you would just allow us to come along for the ride. We bless you tonight. We love you tonight. In Jesus' name, amen.
see you next week on Safe House Podcast. We'll see you this Sunday, 10 a.m., in person and online. Be blessed.